0: what up everybody welcome to another episode of the live better sell better podcast this is your host kevin dorsey aka kd and today we're going to talk about differentiation we're going to talk about how to stand out how to be different because so often in life sometimes doing the opposite of what everyone is telling you to do is actually the key to success when they zig You zag, if they're the yin, you become the yang. Because if everyone's doing it, and it's still not working, you really have to question why, Everyone is doing it. And so that is why I'm so excited to have Mandy Graziano on the show today with me. She is an industry vet. She has built teams, led teams, been a rep herself, also a best-selling author of a great-looking book. I'm excited to pick it up on Sales Tales. I actually did a post a while back about sales fails, which I bet show up in your book a little bit. or something Next like class, the, 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 the misses there. But she's going to dive in today on how being different can actually make you number one. So, Mandy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, KD. This is going to be fun. I might steal your idea. Do I have to pay you royalties if my next book is Sales Fails?
0: You know, no, probably not. People already take enough of my stuff. At this point, it's like, whatever, who cares? But we also have enough sales sales to write our own books. That's what's always so fun. So, actually, let's just start right there. When you think about your career, What is one of your biggest sales fails? Like one of your biggest, like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that or that happened.
1: Uh, When you say that, something instantly just comes to mind. It it makes me sweat a little bit. And it was years ago, I would say almost 20 years ago. And it was right after September 11th. And I was a salesperson at a hotel. I probably should have been fired because they laid off everyone else. And I was the lowest person on the totem pole. So there was only a couple salespeople left. And um, it was, oh gosh, the first or second quarter of 2002. And um, I had somehow kept my job by working with government groups and working with the military. Because those were the only people that were actually using hotels and traveling at that time. No one else was allowed to travel. Or they were, but they were on all the different mm-hmm. terror alerts. And... I aligned with the people that were coming home from deployment. I got wind that there was an aircraft carrier that was coming back into town. And I was like, well, our hotel needs to be a part of that. We need to be visible. We need to show we support the community. So I started attending all these meetings with all these military spouses for the homecoming day. And I was an a-hole, like all of these people, their whole worlds, right? Like. They've gained weight. They've lost weight. They've fallen out of love with their partner. Some of them had kids while their partners were gone. The world had changed. Our country was at war. And these people were coming back. And there I was like, here. let me tell you about my hotel. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I was obsessed with the placement of the table, obsessed with where the signage would be, all that stupid stuff. And then I couldn't figure out why they thought I was crazy until the day of. And I arrived at that dock with my perfectly placed table and my dis- the casual corner suit. I think it was like a lavender casual corner suit, my super cheap pumps. And I had my, you know, I was ready to go with my little pastries, my business cards. And I just looked around and people were having a moment. And that moment wasn't about my hotel. And so, you know, the ship pulled in and it was a thousand or so service people saluting and they were staring in the distance and it's a beautiful day by you two was playing. So as the ship got closer and closer, I felt that energy of like, okay, Mandy, you were a jerk and this isn't about you and you technically don't belong there. So you're just going to hand out some pastries and people might think that you work for the, the, the bake shop on the, on the, on the Navy base. And that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. if they ask for a business card, give you one. But that was like when I realized the value of a good business bedside manner. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have one in that moment. And I think ever since then, and this was almost 20 years ago, but ever since then, I feel like I'm catching up and trying to repair that and trying to never do that again. I would say that was, and I still regret that. Like I still Mm -hmm. regret how I made those people feel in that moment because I just had blind ambition. And we've all done that before, Um, but I would think that's probably one of my bigger fails that I, I... keep trying to gain my, regain my footing on for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And what I love at the end of that, right? Because what do they say? Like, technically, it's not a failure as long as you've learned something, right? And yes. it sounds like you've, you've learned from it, right? Which is the key to, oh, to yeah. growth and the key to really, you know, improvement in life in general, which is what I think is fun to dive into the topic today is around like being different, Right. Of like and how to be different, how to stand out in a good way. Right. Not just the lavender suit at, you know, like a coming home party, but like how to stand out in a good way. Because we know in sales, attention is everything and it's getting harder and harder to get people's attention. They're getting bombarded through everything. So when I pinged you and said, what topic and you mentioned differentiation, why? Like, why was that like, ooh, this is what I want to talk about today?
1: you know, uh, a couple things. So one, I have a lifetime of selling. So after a while you get bored and you just want to try something different and I want to hear what other people are doing. But on the other side, I'm a buyer now and I've been in the buying role for about 12 years. And so I interact with a ton of salespeople who are just, they're doing the same thing over and over. They're regurgitating the same questions over and over and over again And I think the salespeople that try something different, they go out on a limb, they get clever, they're just a little more interesting. I remember those people. And I think being memorable is way more important right now because you know, as you know, you may work with a person at that company, but they may leave and go to another company. And a lot of times that relationship travels with the person, it doesn't travel with the company. So you wanna be a memorable business person No matter what you do, you know, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. about during COVID, I, I, I put, how are you away? I threw that question in the drawer and I replaced it. I swapped it out with what made you laugh this week? Because we all know how we were back then, right? We were tired, fearful, confused, all these things. So like, let's put that, put the boring stuff away and replace it. So I really want to challenge people to think about what are you currently doing? And what can you swap it out with something more clever and more memorable?
0: Mm -hmm. And And I love that. I wrote this down as you were talking. I was like, if before every or at this point for every salesperson afterwards, if you ask the question, why was I memorable? It might change your entire demo because I bet by the end of it, if you asked, why am I memorable? And you go, oh, geez, um... Cause i showed the deck right like there's nothing there and so I, I love this as a premise of like you know being memorable so let's go yeah. a layer deeper here right because like the real you know juice of this show and i think why people tune in is because we get into the how of things right of like so yeah. how how do you become memorable and this is almost like a split question like right? how but also how do you do it the right way because there's a lot of ways to be memorable that mm-hmm. maybe aren't the right ways to be memorable. So let's talk about- like, Yeah, like how to I be was
1: memorable on the ship docks that right.
0: day. Right, <laughs> right. Way. Someone yeah. probably still remembers that to this day. Like, yo, you remember that girl in the lavender power suit? You remember her? Yeah, <laughs> right. So someone still remembers, but like, how do we, like, let's get into this a little bit. How do we become memorable? But How do we do it the right way? I'll
1: give you an example. So a client ghosts you and what do most salespeople do? They just keep sending emails, they keep placing calls, they keep bumping people on LinkedIn or over social media channels, right? But why not create a choose-your-own-adventure email and send that email to the customer and say, and you have to know a little bit about the customer, right? You have to know maybe where they went to college or if they have any kids or what professional stalking, just a little Mm -hmm. bit, and ask them, you know, here I haven't spoken with you a while. I assume you're on an adventure. Were you attending the UNC Alumni Barbecue, were you on vacation with your kids? Or have you been thinking and it's A, B, or C, multiple choice, or C, Mm -hmm. you've been thinking about my proposal, I'm on the back burner for now, but you'll get to me as soon as you come up for air. Whichever the option, let me know and I'm here for you when you need me. That return ratio on that is so awesome. I would say 85% of the people that you haven't heard from Choose your own adventure email is a great, memorable way to get a customer to call you back or email you back. And the thing is, they may email you back saying, uh, who are you? And I don't want to work with you. But then that's an opportunity for a no and an opportunity to ask why or how you can improve or who they're working with. So I think if somebody ghosts you, send a choose your own adventure email. Mm-hmm. Um, I think video. I know I think um, Vidyard is a, is a sponsor or whatever, but any video is powerful. I know when I was um, doing uh, interviewing publishers for the book, I talked to all these different people, and one publisher, after we hung up, sent me a video on Loom after, and I hadn't used Loom yet, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Like It was a, hey, Mandy, great to talk to you. Here are two or three things I picked up from our conversation. Have a great day. A follow-up video is awesome, and then take that a step further. For holidays this past year, Omicron had kind of hit us, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to send my customers a whole bunch of stuff because none of them were at their offices anymore. And so I wrote a holiday haiku. And a haiku is so easy. It's a 575 rhyme scheme and it related to their industry. And I put a Santa hat on with a super fun Zoom background and I recorded myself and I blasted it out to my customers. And I blasted it out to people that don't work with me because they were all going through that. So, you know, write a haiku choose your own adventure email, use video. Um, there's so many ways you can be different. And people now, I really believe this, and this this may sound crazy, but I think now people are more open to creativity and clever antics than they ever have before because they can't remember how it used to be done, right? So a lot of people you would say, well, that's just not how we do it. It's like, cool story, bro. <laughs> but... We're in a situation where we're all doing things differently. So like use this window, capitalize on this window now to be creative. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that's such a great call out because it is like anytime, I feel like anytime someone has actually shown some, like an ounce of creativity in reaching out, they've gotten a response. Like, yeah, you need. Sure. You know, like, and it's not that hard to do. It's just taking the time and effort to do it. And what I liked about um what you mentioned with the uh, choose your own adventure, right? Because like in tech and like SaaS, this idea of a breakup email has been around for a minute. And now people are like breakup emails don't work; they're the worst. Stop sending them. What I love about yours is that it's a personalized, right? It's to them, their world, yeah. things that they would resonate with, and I think that's a much stronger way. To go about it, so but like where, I where does this confidence come from to be different, right? Because I'm sure there's some people where it's like funny enough, right? They're like, well, but I couldn't do that. I that's not me. I couldn't stand out. So like, have you always like kind of been like willing to go like that extra mile, or like is this something you developed over time?
1: I've always been a bit of a weirdo, Katie. (laughs) I mean, I really have. I grew up in a big family in Cleveland, Ohio, and. We, you know, we wrote songs, we rhymed rhymes, we just did fun things growing up. But so I think that piece is in me, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's just, I'm wired that way. But I will say this, when I was younger in sales, I was afraid to bring that piece out. And I think a little regret I have is that I didn't bring the creative, clever piece out sooner. So if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're sitting there in your office right now and you're thinking, well, that's not me, you know, I'm very vanilla, I'm very vanilla Vince, like that's just not me just think about doing one thing a little bit different. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to write a haiku, but just think about doing one thing different. Cause that is probably one of my big sales regrets is that I didn't hone in on the creativity sooner. I mean, I always sent creative proposals, but they weren't always in my own voice. And it took me a really long time to develop my own voice and regroup with my roots and say, Hey, kind of a wacky bunch of people. Like, let's just be that person in a professional way and see how it serves us. And most importantly, serve my customers. And, and it, mm-hmm. it did. So I think when people say, oh, I'm not creative. I think people are more creative than they realize. It just takes like one little smidgen of an effort to do. And, mm-hmm. and the results are amazing.
0: Uh, no, because it is. And it's back to, to memorable. It's back to like people remember yeah. that. This is why I'm such a fan of video, such a fan of direct mail. Like it just seems like it's memorable, right? Like you're like, oh, that's different. And that's something like, I stress to a lot of the teams I lead and the co- companies I'm consulting with is like, if you're doing the same thing as everybody else, why would they pick you? Why, like, if you're sending the same type of email, the same types of call to say, like, why would they ever respond back to you? It's all the same, and so I actually wanted to go super different route here, super fast, just because it's popped in my head. Through it, like, so you're in hospitality, right? Like in like hotels and things of that nature. How did you yeah. persevere through COVID? Because, like, I can yeah. speak to this person. My brother was the director of events at the Grand Wailea in Maui. Right, hospitality got
1: crushed. Feel, uh, yeah. Right, crushed. I feel by like COVID. we'll have to talk after. I feel like I might know your brother.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. We might have. To, we'll have to talk, talk about this. Right. So he was the director of events there. Right. And so this came to my head. It's like, how did you persevere? Like, how did you get through that? How did you adapt when the market completely changed and shifted?
1: Yeah, it was hard, and I will never forget. It was the first Sunday in March. I posted up at a bar, I was by myself, I was having lunch, and I will never forget looking at my phone In within an hour, the CDC, I just kept refreshing. The CDC changed its guidelines five times in one hour. It changed its guidelines and, and conferences and gathering people are you know, reliant upon gathering guidelines. So I think at first it was just a mad scramble. I had over 200 contracts, so your brothers in events, I personally had over 200 conferences and events that I had to lift and shift and cancel and move that were for 2020, 2021, right? So I was busy. And then at some point I decided, you know what? I'm just going to be a student of the crisis. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about virtual meetings. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about how to do a safe meeting in the bubble, and then I'm going to learn everything there is to know about the city, state, county, federal guidelines of gatherings. And then when we come out of this, my clients are then going to look at me as a trusted advisor. And they're going to come to me and say, hey, how do I do a meeting, Mandy? And hey, how do I get people to come to this conference or how do I make it safe? And that's exactly what happened. So um, I was really overwhelmed at first. I had a long April of drinking a lot of gin and taking a lot of baths and being really frustrated. And then a switch just flipped in me where I'm like, you know what, this is an opportunity. And I, I did remember back to the 2008 auto crisis and I remember what that felt like. And then I thought back to that casual corner suit, you know, right after September 11th. So it wasn't the first time we had been here in this business crisis and there's this is a time where you know the difference between the warriors and the wimps right so Mm -hmm. i didn't want to be a wimp i wanted to be a warrior and i just um hosted virtual online meetings um every other month some for my hotel partners right that i'm a client of to find out like what's going on in your world and then the opposite month then it was for clients and prospective clients just to say hey have you left the house and Are you going back to the office? Have you been furloughed? And and sharing with them market conditions, what's going on in the world. So then when the tides turned, I was a trusted resource. So I really spent time being a student of the crisis after I spent my April drinking gin.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, I got got to know the bottom of the bottle uh, quite well many a times during, during all that. And I love, love where you took that because that is such... Unfor- I don't even know if this is a lost art or just not an art that many people embrace, but this art of like learning. So you can become a trusted advisor. Like, I hate it when people talk about like, oh, become a trusted advisor, but then they take no time to study their industry, no right. time to study the prospect, no time to figure out what to teach the prospect, right? Like, yeah. this is where everyone got the Challenger sale wrong. And it really frustrates me because. I wish the book should have been called the teacher seller or the educator seller, mm-hmm. but they called it the challenger seller. And like everyone thinks to challenge means to challenge. Okay. If you actually read the book, you understand that it's not to challenge, it's to educate what you could you teach them. So could you talk just a little bit more about that? Of Like how you kind of get in the mind of your prospect? How do you learn about an industry? Things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's participating in webinars it's you know and during covid there was a ton of webinars but i normally don't have a whole bunch of time to you know go on webinars but i was seeking them out and i was seeking things out that i didn't know so for example i love contracts and i'm a person you know i, I cringe when salespeople are like they said yes the deal's done it's like oh no no we got to do the contract like the fun's just beginning And that's phase two, right? And that's where a deeper level of sales happens. And I think that's what happened during COVID. People realized the value of those terms of a contract. And so I hopped on any webinar I could with any lawyer that was on the horn talking about contract terms. And what does this mean from the hotel perspective? And what does this mean from the client perspective? And then I was having conversations with my client's general counsel about like, hey, this is how you interpret this, but this is how the hotel interpret it. So that took me to a deeper, meaningful relationship, not just with my client, but with other leaders within their companies. And, you know, that's just one little example of a webinar, right? So mm-hmm. you hop on webinars. And I, I, I also think like during a crisis like this is find out what you're, you're, you're not doing, right? You know, I, I think at that point, you know, the end of 2019 was so busy and twenty twenty was gonna be the best year ever. And so I will say at the end of Nineteen, I don't think I was as an effective of a client manager as I am now. And I think twenty twenty I learned that. I was watching what a lot of other people were doing to be good, you know, stewards of that relationship. And I started doing some of that stuff and then making some of my own stuff up too.
0: Mm-hmm. So that sounds like kind of a theme of your your being a little bit is like recognizing the patterns and then making it your own. Recognizing the pattern, making it yeah. your own. So like how because this is something that again all the fluff yeah. advice that gets given in sales. I right? was like, well, just make it your own. Whenever one ever talks about how to make it your own, it's like, well, what does that even mean? Like, how do I make this my own? Yeah. So how do you do that, right? So like you see something like yeah. ah, that's interesting. I like that. How do you then? Craft it. How do you make it your own so you feel good, you feel comfortable delivering it?
1: I think uh, I have a good example of this. So when the publisher, the illustrator for the publishing company that did my book, they kept sending me cover art for the book. And in everything they had done up to this point was awesome. But I hated the cover they were sending me. It just, it felt very swarmy. to me. It felt like what everybody says sales is. Hmm. And my book is not whatever. I didn't want to. Was wanna, there, a, hand I think you, was there has, a
0: handshake? Was there a smiling faces? Oh, or there was, was a-, a
1: handshake. There was a handshake. Yeah. <laughs> there was an arrow. There was a craft. Everything. There's a dotted line. Everything you could think of was there. And I was like, this isn't me. I think you had somebody on a podcast recently, and they said the um, sales industry was uh, stale, pale, and male, or something like that. Yeah, yeah all those things. It, and that's just not who I am. Well, obviously, that's not who I am. And so my publisher said, Mandy, close your eyes, take a deep breath. And when you think of sales, what do you think of? Like when you, for yourself, for you. And I said, I feel like I'm just running all the time. I am hustling, I'm moving and just everything's a blur. And then within 20 minutes, The cover came out of my book where it's this girl running. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is she's wearing red shoes, which I always wear red shoes, tennis shoes with my business suits, but they didn't know that. So that was serendipitous. And so I think um, I encourage people, how do you make it your own? When you see something you like, and I steal stuff from people all the time, right? You see something you like, close your eyes, take a deep breath. How does that feel rolling off your tongue? How does that email feel in your own voice? And then try it, you know, and keep trying. Iteration, I think, is one of the best ways to find your own voice. Just try a whole bunch mm-hmm. of different ways. But I think closing your eyes, taking a deep breath, and making thinking about what it is that makes it your own is really important.
0: Yeah, I love that. And also, too, like the, the, red, the red shoes, again, being memorable. Right? If everyone mm-hmm. is wearing the same outfit with the same vest with the same hairdo, no one remembers that, right? Like it just no one cares. We used to for a lot of my my teams, we talk about this in the training, right? The old um movie, the Brad Pitt movie Achilles, right? Where at one point he goes, This is why no one will remember your name. Like we used to like joke about that of like yeah. no one's gonna remember this. No one's gonna remember you yeah. for this. Like what would be memorable? But you did you mentioned something they're good to that I want to call as like iteration and testing because salespeople yes. love the number one right? Where if it works once and early, they'll just do it forever. Even if it never works yeah. again, they still have that one example where it worked or the opposite. Mm-hmm. They try it once, it doesn't work right away. And they just give up on the idea completely. So talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about like this idea of like iteration, like testing, evolving, like not just, oh, I, tried, I listened to this podcast. I wore red shoes. I didn't book the deal. So therefore red shoes don't work.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about
0: iteration and testing a little bit.
1: Yeah. You have to test. You have to be afraid. Um, You can't be afraid to fail. You have to accept you're going to fail and you're going to learn massive lessons from it. I actually, in the book, I have an old prospecting email and I put it in there on purpose. It is awful. It's too long. There's too many words. It's awful. And then I put the iteration of it, like the six years later version of it that actually has a call to action and it has an attack, you know, it has the right things in it. So I think I would challenge everybody, go back to what, you're, what you've are what you done, right? And see if you can tweak it. Can you make it shorter? Can you make it poppier? Can you add something more relevant? The data is different now than it might've been five years ago. Can you make it different? So I, you have to keep trying things and you have to be open to failing because the magic is in the fail. It really, really is. So you have to try that. I would never send that prospecting email that's in my book today ever. And if somebody, well, if people send me those types of things all the time. I cringe. Oh. But, but don't just throw it away. Go back to it. Um. How can you cut it, slice it, and just make it a little bit more effective?
0: Mm-hmm. So let's keep going down this path, though, because I think there's an underlying theme with a lot of what you're talking about where there's almost like this innate, like, I don't want to say like no fear, but it's like not fear of failure, right? Like I'm willing to be there, stand out. Like, how do you develop some of that resiliency, right? Because again, it's one of those things you could talk. People talk about like don't take it personal, don't don't be afraid mm-hmm. to fail. But how do you actually develop that muscle, right? Like, how do you actually you know go? What what was the quote, right? Like enthusiasm or no success is going failure to failure with no drop in enthusiasm. It's something along those lines. I think oh, Churchill I said it, but it's like. Yeah. Shoot, But like talk a little bit about like how Uh, to recover from failure.
1: I mean, I I just think so. First of all, when people say don't take it personally, I think salespeople, we're high beta, low beta. We take a lot of things personally and that's okay because we're passionate and we care and we'd be dead inside if we didn't, you know. And so I think that's all right. I think it's okay to take it personally, but don't let it hit you so hard that it keeps you down. You know, like that's Mm. the thing. You can make a choice. Do you want to stay down there? Because if you stay down there, your competitors are coming behind you and they're not pulling you up. They are trampling over you and running past you. So you have to think about who do you want to be? You want to be the person that fails and stays down there where people are trampling over you like a herd of buffalo? Or do you want to be the person that, you know, maybe you dropped the fly ball, right? And maybe you fell because you tripped over a base. And this literally happened to me when I was a kid. But you can stay down there or you can bounce right back up and finish the play. And there's always an opportunity to finish the play. And I think, you you know, I don't know where that resiliency comes from, but I think we all have it in us. I don't think people are resilient or not resilient. I think resiliency is a repetitive action that you build by doing it over and over again.
0: Yeah. This is why I'm such a hound on practice because that's where you hone your craft. That's where you get better at what you do. You know, like you don't get better in the game. Mm -hmm. You get better outside the game Then you get to show it off in the game. And a lot of salespeople don't practice their, their craft. And so back to the original theme here a little bit. So we've talked, we opened up with like differentiation, right? Different ways to stand out. What else? right? Like you kind of talked about being a little bit different when someone ghosts you, like where else do you try to implement some of this be different mindset in the sales process?
1: I mean, I think it depends on where, so for example, networking, right? I love sweat working, like go in and we, I've done some sweat working events with customers where it's mm-hmm. like, let's go to a seven, eight, we're at a trade show. Let's go, let's go to a 6am sweat working spin class and let's do some juice after, right? Or let's have some coffee after. Then we go back. Everybody showers, and you hit the trade show floor. You hit the conference. Right? Not mm-hmm. everybody wants to go to a happy hour and have a bunch of cocktails. You know, pe- some people are not drinking anymore. Some people have developed allergies. You don't know what everybody's situation is, but I think it, this was a while ago. A while ago, like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. I think Stanford did a study on walking and the power of walking and creativity and how you know when you walk and you pace and you're trying to get a thought out there's the science behind that that we are way more creative and clever and better i with better with ideation overall when we're moving so why not incorporate moving into networking right so i think like instead of networking try sweat working and that's not for everybody but it's just an idea and an option instead of sweatworking, You know, if you do start your own business book club, start it with prospects, start it with thought leaders, do it at 7am on a Friday and make sure it's no more than one hour. You know, like there's so Mm -hmm. many rules you can put into place that, um, that are, are your own. And if you don't like something, I'll give you another example. You know, if you don't like a, a a situation, start your own. Like So I copied off of, um, a a client of mine, she invited me to this group called Swirl at Smart Women I Really Like. And it was created from the, the "I Am Remarkable" movement that Google had created, and um, I thought, well, I kind of like that. I got a batch of girls I'm going to start this with. So I, I, just had a swirl last night. Like we brought swirl juniors, everybody 25 and under, and asked the question, "What would, what uh, would you advice? Would you give your younger self?" So I, I think like net, building your network and building relationships is more than just sitting behind the screen or being on the phones physically. How are you getting out into the community? And how are you building your network that's outside of what you already know? So I mean, there's, I could go on all day long, but there's, you know, networking, I think building relationships, Mm -hmm. just don't ask for the business on the first date. Like you wouldn't propose on the first date. So just slow your roll and drop some crumbs. You know, the crumbs make the cookie eventually.
0: I mean, you would if you had a quota though, right? If you have a quota, you got to ask on that first date, but that's a whole... Whole nother thing we yeah. can dive into. So no, but that's, that's why I was excited for this yeah. conversation is because also too, like you have you have experience testing different things and trying different things. And I really hope that people listening like can lean into that a little bit more. Like just try it, just test it, right? Like create your own, as you were mentioning. It's just like, you like something, try it. You don't like it, then do the opposite. That Like my yeah. managers, um, like they probably loved it and hated it often. But like a lot of times, like, what if we did the complete opposite? Okay, this isn't working. What we're trying to do isn't working. We can't get people to make as many calls as they need to make. What if we did the complete opposite? What, would, what if we did zero calls? What would we do? How would you approach it if I said you couldn't pick up the phone? What would you do? And like taking yeah. that opposite approach works well in so many places. So I got two questions left for you here before we wrap, before we wrap up here. So the first is just let's go a little bit. You've, you've hinted at it a little bit. I just want to know more about it. What's in the book? Right. So like this, you know, sales tales, like what's the what's the yeah. premise, like what's the juice in there?
1: It's a collection of funny business stories from the last 20 plus years in sales, but it follows the standard sales cycle. So it goes hmm. in the order of prospecting, being networking, networking, building relationships, making presentations, closing business and then disaster selling, which was a chapter that COVID gave me. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> Yes. Um, but it's, it's a collection of funny stories of, from me as a salesperson, a sales leader of observations I've made from people that I adore and admire in the industry or outside the industry. And then me as a sales coach. So there's um, hospitality stories, but there's also stories from manufacturing and beauty and technology, all sorts of industries. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, different stories and that are funny. They're funny. So my thing is, is I love, love reading sales books but I didn't want to write a boring sales book because I wanted people to laugh. And I wanted people to have practical takeaway nuggets that they could immediately use. Like you close the book, you don't even finish reading it. You just, you start taking action on it right away. So there's a ton of takeaways. I think somebody quoted, it's a digestible sales snacks um, (laughs) that are in there. uh, So there's a lot of digestible sales snacks and it's for all you know the all processes of the sales. And so that came out at the end of October. And then the audio book just came out. It just got out of the studio. And that came out a couple of weeks ago. Nice. And it's sales tells hustle humor lessons of the life and sales. So it's humorous. It's hustle. There's all sorts of fun stuff in it.
0: And I'm I'm glad that it brings in the humor side too because like this can be fun, y'all. Like you can yeah. have fun. You can goof around. You can make the joke. You can make fun of yourself. Like it, we need to be having more fun in sales. We just do. Yeah. And I feel like all the yeah. fun in sales that we preach is always like after you close the deal, then you get to have fun. Then you yeah. can go Prez Club or this. Like, How about you have fun? And you might be shocked how many more deals you actually close throughout that process. And so, yeah. oh man, I love it. And this might set up our last question here, which is, you know, the name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better. Because I have this weird idea. What if... Mm-hmm. We took better care of ourselves. What if yes, we had yes. more energy, We're happier, We're more fulfilled, had more joy in life, whatever? Yes. Wow. What would happen to the sales? So what would your live better advice be for people listening?
1: Oh, wow. Well, set your day up in the morning. Start your day the way you want the rest of your day to be. So, and I, this is a practice I practice and it's a struggle, but it's a practice. Mm-hmm. Wake up. Do not look at your phone until you pee and meditate and drink a glass of water. And then even after that, like how you start your day and how you immediately do that. When it first thing you're going to either be in a race or you're going to be in control of your day. And so I really believe you have to figure out, and it doesn't have to be an hour thing. It could be 15 minutes, but how you start your day and how you set your pace is mm-hmm. meaningful because it really, it really sets the tone for the rest of the day. And then I think, you know, I have calendar appointments every 90 minutes to take a 10 minute break, whether that's to, you know, drink a glass of water, or get up and walk around, but get off your phone, get out of your office and just look around because I think salespeople in general, you know, high beta, low beta, we, we are anxious people yeah. and yeah. it's not healthy to live the way we live sometimes. So I really believe in just using that calendar, putting your time into buckets on the calendar and scheduling breaks Mm -hmm. and setting the tone for your day in the right way.
0: I, I love that, right? It's like how you start is how you finish, and if you start yes. running, if you start hectic, and then you're gonna end hectic too, right? Like I got my little every day. I've got my list of ten things written out. And I know exactly what I'm going for. I can yes. keep a look at it and go through it. So, Mandy, this was phenomenal. Where can people get more of you? Where can they get the book? Where are you putting out more content? Where can people get more Mandy Graziano in their life?
1: All the places. I'm everywhere. So. Uh, Mandy So Mandy with an I, Graziano with a Z. I have blogs on there. I have um, sales and uh, sales blogs just on there. But I also have a Mandy's Brain Trail blog, which is just funny. It's yeah. just funny, random things. Uh, and I, I, I believe in having fun. Like people want to work with people that are naturally having fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet, like you said before, like it's not about the end. Like what's happening along the way is so have fun. Um, so mandygraziano.com, LinkedIn. Instagram, TikTok. Um, you can email me, coach at Mandy Graziano.com. com. You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the uh the audiobook on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, and then W Marketplace, which is a have you heard of W marketplace before? No. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is a new, it's a um woman owned, it's a channel for women-owned businesses and services. So if you want to buy from women-owned businesses, you go to W Marketplace. Um, And it's it's super cool. It's a really, really, really cool, empowering website. Um, Yeah, so wherever you would buy a book, you can get my book in all the versions. And then wherever you would buy your audio book, you can get my audio book in all the versions too
0: hell yes it's inspiring stuff i'm I'm working on mine i'm working on mine it's not done yet but i'm working on mine so that'll that'll happen some point this year which i'm excited for but um awesome well mandy this was phenomenal the energy the engagement the insight i really really appreciate it thank you so much for your time
1: thanks for having me it was great to meet you
0: hell yeah